Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is brought to you by Comply Socially. We provide social media literacy and compliance training to employers so they can scale social media engagement in the workplace. Download our new white paper, Social Media Policy Development Best Practices at draftpolicy.com. This is a presentation delivered by Top Rank Marketing CEO Lee Oden on Friday, June 28, 2013 at the PRSA Digital Impact Conference in New York. If you don't know Lee, he's probably one of the most respected consultants in the world straddling the space between search engine optimization and public relations. His presentation is titled, Attract, Engage, and Convert. Get ahead with content digital PR and marketing. In today's fast-moving search and social web, content flows in every direction throughout diverse platforms, formats, and devices. Now more than ever, creating content that influences growth in media and new business requires an integrated approach. During this session, you'll learn the Attract, Engage, and Convert model, which can help organizations optimize the performance of their content-focused digital marketing and public relations programs. I hope you enjoy it. And now, uninterrupted, let's hear the presentation by Top Rank Marketing CEO, Lee Oden. I promise you in the next 45 minutes, you may get more information than you've gotten in any 45 minutes you spend. That's a big promise, but it's my nature to do that. Um, so the topic here, uh, a holistic approach to this sort of convergence that seems to be happening between marketing and PR, specifically with content. I believe PR, p- folks with PR skills might be the uh, unlikely heroes in the content marketing world. Um, I've been working with content as a marketing specific channel for, for a very long time. And one thing I've come to know is that there's oftentimes a lot of missing pieces. And when you think about optimized, socialized, publicized, public, the publicity aspect and the silos that exist in organizations often don't uh, help, thing, help, help initiatives work together, right? Um, so let's just get into it. Anyway, so I am uh, CEO of a digital marketing agency. As Elizabeth said, we're based in Minneapolis. We do consulting work with companies, uh, actually with a lot of PR software companies. Radiant 6, we've done work with Cision, Invocus, and PR Web. Companies like uh, General Mills, McKesson on the big end. Um, And I am a lover of Instagram. So if you take moderately good photos and make them look really great at Instagram, then please go ahead and follow me because I like to follow people who, uh, who do the same, have the same passion for taking those photos. I uh, wrote a book, actually speaking of this book, um, endorsed by lots of crazy people. Um, you send people scotch and they'll endorse your book. I guess that's kind of how it works. Um, but Optimize isn't just an SEO book. It's about the notion of optimization, the idea of having a hypothesis about how something will work, putting it into action, and then measuring the performance indicators as it moves along towards the goal and using that data to improve performance. 
specific to public relations, specific to marketing, specific even to customer service, anything to do with content, that's what this is about. So I know a lot of folks, as you do at a conference, might be tweeting, give a little incentive to do some really good tweeting, some optimized tweeting maybe. I'm gonna give away a copy of this book uh, to whoever has the best tweets. So there you go. All right, so let's talk about a couple of things here. One, trends in digital marketing and PR, why content is important in the PR mix, a model and some best practices for integration and some tools for success. So one, first of all, what is content marketing? Does it just mean creating more content? No, that's not just what content marketing is. Um, Steve Rubell said yes, uh, yesterday that it, content marketing sounds kind of spammy. I'm like, you know, I don't know who you're interacting with, but people who make money uh, in the field of content marketing, uh, it has nothing to do with spam. It can't work if it's spammy. It can't work if it's not genuine and meaningful, right? So what is content marketing? My definition is it's the planning, creation, promotion, and measurement of content for specific audiences to impact a business outcome, right? It's not mechanical, it's meaningful. And that's what content marketing is. It's specific and it's intentional. It's not about quantity, it's about quality, right? It's not about the mechanical, it is about the meaningful, and that's what makes it work. So what does that look like for real, like with real companies? Um, there was another event here in New York a couple, about a month ago, um, and they had the killer B2B content marketing awards, and I got some really great examples uh, with Creative here to share with you. Now, um, SunGuard, a, a cloud services company, wanted to reach a target audience of IT professionals, and when they did this campaign, zombies had not quite, a zombie apocalypse hadn't quite jumped the shark yet, okay? So it was still kind of a cool, geeky, nerdy thing, meme to tap into. And they wanted to offer the products and services with the goal of simply creating awareness. And the combination of content that they deployed to engage that audience was infographics, there was a, a ebook, a series of emails and landing pages to convert those folks from interest to consideration and purchase. Uh, much greater open rate, 150% click-through rate on the microsite, and 24 leads were generated. So what's the point here isn't to dissect this as a case study so much as that it was an architected effort to identify a specific target audience, what type of narrative or story would resonate with that audience, so speak in their language, craft a series of content objects that would answer their questions as they move along the buying cycle, and then ultimately make it easy for them to take action, i.e. fill out the form on a landing page and, and make an inquiry. Another example of con typical, typical content marketing. Elijah Callis had an objective of generating new revenue with their HP infrastructure offering. So they approached this by, through a combination of efforts, primarily through creating thought leadership. No PR was involved, unfortunately, here, but creating thought leadership-oriented content content that would support the notion that they are the best answer. They are the most authoritative for that particular area. And by enabling salespeople to give customized content based on people interacting with their content. So the content mix was a series of uh, branded emails, right? Different topics, but commonly branded. An ebook, a microsite, and articles. They, of the group of 2,000 folks that they targeted, 15, there's a 15% click-through open rate on the microsite. 8 million in pipeline revenue. So that's what matters right there. <laughs> 8 million in pipeline revenue that they can, the people who initiated this campaign, can directly tie back to that content mix. Another interesting example. Sort of the uh, 
native advertising paid media category. Xerox wanted to tap into the top 30 accounts, right, to expand those relationships. And they partnered with Forbes to create a print and an iPad magazine. Forbes created some of the content, Forbes contracted some of the content to be created. 70% of that target group engaged with that content. They added 20,000 new contacts into their prospect database, made over 1,000 appointments, and yes, $1.3 billion in pipeline revenue directly related or associated with that magazine and some of the promotions around it. So I think we kind of have the answer to that question. <laughs> why should PR and communications care about content marketing? Because it's kicking ass. That's why. And it works. Um, the promise of content marketing first and digital marketing at large is really that you can target audiences, right? You can specifically, the nature of how it works is that you are defining specific audience segments. What are the common characteristics of that audience? What do they care about? What are their problems? What are their goals? By creating those archetypes, then we can efficiently target to groups of people, efficiently. Another characteristic is because of the modular nature of content in a content marketing initiative, you have opportunities for cross-channel integration, right? You might have heard of transmedia storytelling out of the movie industry or omni-channel marketing in the retail industry where we have all these different interaction touch points a consumer can have with your brand and you want them to have a congruent experience. And the nature, the very nature of content marketing is, in its modular nature, is to be able to deploy digital assets that create a congruent experience across channels, whether it's email, paid advertising, search, landing pages, white papers, press releases, whatever. Contributed articles, opinion pieces. It's also adaptable. It's meant to be adaptable so that you can optimize its performance. And it's highly measurable. Just like anything digital should be, highly, highly measurable. So when you think about it, I think whether you're PR or marketing, we're all in the content business. When you look at the kinds of things that drive content in a PR world, obviously we have message or story creation, and then we're creating different types of content, whether it's on the newsroom or blogs or newsletters, press releases, social content, and different types of media, whether it's audio or video or images. And in the marketing world, it's not so different, right? We have, and especially in content marketing, content strategy, which is the you know, uh, planning and creation and governance of content in an organization that's deployed on things like a website and blog and lots of other things that are very similar to the PR world, but our goals are a little bit different, right? And, and as an agency, you know, we, we deploy these types of tactics for ourselves. We're a boutique agency. We've got a 30, 30 people on my payroll, and we have a community of well over 300,000 globally, right? I mean, how is it that a small agency like mine has been serving a company like McKesson, a $122 billion company for the last six years, 25 different businesses there? And, and it's because of the credibility. What comes into that scenario is that you become the best answer for something by using content, by using publicity, by using social media. And people pull themselves to you. Some folks call that kind of thing inbound marketing, inbound PR. But that's really what it is. It's efficient and it's effective. There we go. So content as a component in the PR mix is, is, is it's like currency. It's currency that can build the sorts of social relationships and connections that can boost earned media. 
Newsrooms are decreasing, and I, did, I threw out a tweet, or I found a stat, uh, newsrooms are 30% what they were 10 years ago. Those folks are hard pressed to create the same amount of news and content that they used to. And so a lot of companies are adopting this sort of brand as publisher model of creating news and content, and they're filling that gap because consumers still want the information. So when brands are creating news-oriented content, a lot of publications in their industry will literally pick that up and it becomes their media simply by being a content producer. So if you want to ensure that your brand gets in the media, you need to become the media yourself. So in the short term, sure, you're going to try and pitch or you know, execute media relations tactics to get earned media placements or paid placements like Steve was talking about. That's the reality. You've got to test that stuff out. But at the same time, the long play deals with creating content that, 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 that demonstrates you are the best answers for the things that your brand wants to be known for. And some companies that are doing that is American Express Open for small business, right? Lots and lots of folks are pointing to them as a great case study for creating content, right? Creating content that, that literally becomes so uh, successful that it's perceived as a news entity. Another good example is Ford Social or what Ford Social has turned into, right? This is, if, if, if Ford wanted a journalist to write about their company, what would that story look like? Their own brand journalists are writing those stories and they're curating customer stories all in one location. Another good example is Intel IQ where employees are curating social news, lifestyle news, according to different categories and also their own news all into one spot. Uh, recently launched was Dell Tech Page One, and we work with Dell on this, um, is a, uh, an IT destination where content is created by internal Dell subject matter experts as well as uh, outside content producers or subject matter experts. And then just a couple of days ago, if not yesterday, uh, General Mills launched uh, Channel G which is another, like Ford Social, and it's an aggregated General Mills social content. Now, General Mills has lots of brands, and those brands are spending and executing all kinds of content and social media initiatives. But corporate is a different matter, right? Because what's the corporate voice? What's the corporate brand? So they launched Channel G, and it's an interesting aggregation, again, of social content about General Mills as well as curation of their customer stories. So what's the idea here? The idea is, is that a lot of companies are investing in content off of their own website, they're thinking about how can we create content, how can we make it an efficient experience or a good quality experience for our consumers. And that's why so many companies are putting these social hubs together or these aggregated or curated destinations that are guided by editorial, right? It's not just random, they're curated according to how the brand wants to be known. So something I learned a long time ago is I, I've been blogging for about nine years. In fact, I added it up. I was complaining about having to write 60,000 words for this book. And I figured out, man, I've actually written 1.2 million words on uh, toprankblog.com over the last nine years. So it's not so bad. Anyway, in all that time, I've learned one thing that's uh, always kind of stood the test of time. And that's facts tell, stories sell. Right? Because people buy things based on emotion, but they justify them in, uh, with, with facts or with research or with it, uh, intellectually, right? And the integration of PR and content marketing satisfies that ability to create utility, but to tell stories in a way that connects with people emotionally. Michael Brenner from SAP said it really well, I think. And he talked about, 
in the course of the content marketing or marketing maturity model, as you're creating information, a lot of folks go from zero and going to one, and one would be we're just creating content, because before we weren't. And as you start to create more information, you realize, wow, we can't just put anything out there. We actually have to create good content that's useful to people. And that's utility. In fact, Jay Baer, just, his book just went live today, I believe, called Utility. Check it out. It's, a very, it's an easy read, but it's full of really good uh, insights and tips on how you can create more functionally interesting and helpful information um, from your brand. But Michael's point here is one that I agree with. It's not enough just to be useful and functionally practical and tactical for your target audience. Will you earn points that way? Absolutely. Will it move the needle for you? Absolutely. But everyone else is doing the same thing. And if they're not, they will be. The thing you've got to do to differentiate is to use storytelling to connect at an emotional level with your target audience. Robert Rose from Content Marketing Institute just published an article um, on OpenView Venture Partners blog about this specifically, right? Create a competitive advantage by using storytelling. That's something your competition can't copy. So you see the effect of branding in all of this. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's kind of funny. Um, so as a marketer, you know, we're promoting our message. You know, we're like, hey, we're great, we're great. And public relations gets somebody else to say it, right? Gets a publication to say it. Yeah, trust me, it's great. <laughs> And advertising is hammering that message home, right? Repeat, repeat, repeat that same message. And of course, branding is where we want to be because that's where the thing that we want comes to us. And that is an outcome that we can expect from not just content marketing, but the effective integration of PR and content marketing. So we're also all in the social media business, right? We're creating between marketing and content, uh, excuse me, marketing and PR. We're doing a lot of same, similar types of things. Um, there are some variances, obviously, because our objectives are different. And sometimes reaching those objectives are, well, they encounter obstacles because they're silos, right, in the organization, right? Because PR goals are a little bit different oftentimes where there's awareness and influence and thought leadership and reputation building, media coverage, crisis communications. I know it's not on there, but that would be there too. And on the marketing side, we're looking for traffic and leads and sales and revenue and order volume and frequency, order frequency and uh, retention and all kinds of business oriented uh, or business outcome oriented objectives like that. And increasingly PR is expected to win some of those marketing or achieve some of those marketing goals. And the way to do that, the way to break down those silos is by finding some common ground. And one of the most, the first things you should look at is this notion of messaging and story creation, right? Because obviously in the PR world, we're obviously cognizant of the importance of messaging but translating that into a narrative that, uh, that works across different content objects over time, short term and long term. Also content planning and coordinating social and publicity and amplification efforts because you've got to market your marketing, right? You've got to publicize your publicity. Um, if, if you've created really great content objects, obviously uh, it doesn't matter. They're not great until people have actually found them, consumed them and shared them. Um, also, social listening. In, in a PR context, you might be social listening for mentions of your brand, looking for advocates and dissenters. But on the marketing side, we're listening for people articulating buying signals, buying keywords. Gosh, I really need this. Does anybody know where I can find that? And you can respond to them and actually engage at a sales level right there. Same thing happens with journalists. 
I'm sure a lot of folks here have had, seen this happen where a journalist is trying to head a deadline and they go out and tweet something like, and does anybody know someone who's allergic to, to evergreen or Christmas trees or whatever? You know, I, I need to know in the next 30 minutes because news, news is at five. And, and listening for those sorts of things are opportunities for you to engage. And obviously content placement and the cyclical nature of uh, uh, monitoring progress, monitoring the effectiveness of the messages that we're putting out there, and then optimizing, right? We're seeing what's working, seeing what's not. We're looking at trend lines over time, and then we're using that feedback to literally optimize the next cycle of messaging that gets put out there. So the leap from marketing to PR isn't so great because we have a lot of commonalities, and like I said, a lot of marketing outcomes are, begin, are, are expected now um, out of... Uh, out of PR. So what are some big trends? Let's wrap our arms around what this really means from a more of a, these are trends but also some practical observations here. One is this, this notion of ubiquitous connectivity. Erickson did a study um, and they said by the year 2020 there will be over 50 billion connected devices. That's way more than there will be people on the planet Earth, right? Unless we all get really busy <laughs> and go from 7 billion to 51 billion. Anyway, that empowers people to create, consume, to um, publish, to interact and transact anytime, anywhere. And if I have a, a responsibility to create content and engagement and experiences, I've got to be aware of what that customer journey and experience is like. So here's an example. This is the dog I really want to get, so that's why I have the photo on here. Somehow maybe it's going to get back to my kids and they'll go, yes, okay, Dad, we'll, let, we'll, we'll get that dog. Anyway, so uh, I'm calling him Voodoo. And so uh, as an example to illustrate something that, that, that actually happened. So I went to Portland and I posted on Facebook, anybody know anything good to do in Portland? Uh, um, and uh, my friend Melody quickly, not only did she give me recommendations, but she gave me a link to a blog post where she documented specific things you can do in Portland if you really want to get a taste for what it's like there. But one thing I noticed, of course, was Voodoo, Voodoo Donuts. Oh, that's interesting, but I didn't really know what Voodoo Donuts was. So how many people here have had an experience where you go to a social network and you ask someone a question like, what's a good restaurant? How do I fix this? How to do that? And they answer you, right? You get recommendations from your friends? Of course. But did I know where, I didn't know where Voodoo was. I didn't know what it was or whatever. So what did I do? I Googled it. <laughs> so we discover through social, but we validate through search, right? Because Google points us to the facts. It points us to a cornucopia of information about Voodoo Donuts. It gives me media coverage. It gives me company information, company social information, reviews. It gives me their place page, their Google Plus page, all kinds of information. Now I know where to go, what they sell. I'm introduced to this monster called, or what, uh, oh, I had a good word for this, but this thing called a maple plank bar. I've got to know, if it includes bacon, I've got to know what it is. So. <laughs> I'm going to Voodoo Donuts and yay, Voodoo the dog is happy. But it doesn't stop there, right? Because as consumers that are empowered to create and consume and publish and interact, transact anytime, anywhere, of course I checked in because I want my friends to know I went to Voodoo as if that means something to them. But I also took a photo and popped it up onto Instagram because you all know I love Instagram. And just because I popped up a photo of the actual donuts I bought and then gave away uh, except for the maple playing bar, of course, uh, on Pinterest. And then I went back to Facebook and said, hey, thank you for making the recommendations. Does this make sense? This, this notion of customer journey, interacting with multiple touch points, 
as a creator of content that wants to be effective with that content and its ability to inspire business outcomes, we've got to empathize with the customer journey. We've got to understand what is it like for them. It's not always going to be linear like this, right? I might bounce around on your competitor sites, but I might ultimately, because you optimize for specific things, I might ultimately transact on your website. But what's important is to understand that customer journey so you can effectively plan your content strategy. So that's a big trend, I think, in this notion of customer journey and how it is that consumers are participating in content creation. We're actually competing with our own customers for content and shelf space on the search engines and on the social web. Another big trend is this notion of converged media. And I know Steve talked about this, but one thing that's missing here, and, and I love the folks at Altimeter Group, um, is shared media. So we have obviously paid media, earned media, and own media, but what about shared media? Shared media is the co-creation of content with your community. It happens all the time. A great example to me is right a couple of blocks away in Times Square for a company called, uh, uh, or an agency called Space 150 out of Minneapolis worked with Forever 21 to put up this interactive billboard. Now, I took this at six, this is a picture of me taking a picture of me on a, on a, on a photo posted to a Forever 21 billboard in Times Square. I'm there at like six o'clock or 5.30 in the morning, so there's no one around. But otherwise, it's just filled with people. I think of how many impressions are happening there, how many views, how many brand exposures. And not only are the people there, they're taking pictures of themselves, right? Same thing with that other billboard behind the big red steps. I don't know what the hell that's called, but you know what I mean? There's another one where it's camera pointing and everyone's up there. They're fighting to get up there so they can take pictures of themselves. And um, that, that's media, that's content. I mean, I'm sharing it right now, so it's content. Other types of co-created media, uh, we, we do a lot of thought leader ebooks. So we've created these for content marketing um, world, which is an awesome content marketing conference, by the way, happening in September. Um, also for marketing profs, right? 300 or 400,000 marketers in that network, the largest marketing and, uh, 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 organization of, of its type. Associate, it's not an association, it's a community. And then also for companies like Dell, where by putting this thought leadership book together, we had uh, over 100,000 views in about a week and a half. And the next closest ebook they had on that SlideShare channel had only 6,000 views. What's the point? Thought leader co created ebooks or anything are effective when, number one, the creative and the message resonates with them because then they want to be part of it. And you're building social into the content object by involving these thought leaders because they want to be a part of it. And when you publish it, they will, without even asking in many cases, help you promote it. And that's what happened. When, but, but, but the thing is, is it's got to be meaningful, right? Just asking some famous people to answer a couple of questions and throwing it into an ebook. I mean, a lot of people are trying to do that. There's a big difference between doing that and executing something like this in a meaningful way. I know one of these, I sent 500 individual emails myself to people knowing that they would be interested in this and uh, that helped promote it. Some of them helped promote it. Now measuring success, you know, for paid, earned, owned, and shared media has to, it runs across the sales cycle. So, oh, I do have a laser. So, you know, exposure, engagement, influence, and action, right? Awareness, interest, consideration, and purchase, same kind of thing. So the, 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 the success metrics, right, these are KPIs that lead to revenue are things that you want to map for the different media types, but you map them across the sales cycle. 
And the goals that you have for content marketing or anything else are really only as good as the, your ability to measure them. Right? So one of the first things you think about as you engage in a content marketing campaign is not just what do we expect to happen, what does success look like, but how are we going to measure our progress? How are we going to measure that success? You've got to answer that question. Otherwise, you're just throwing spaghetti against the wall to see if it sticks. Another big trend is for PR's transformation into integrated marketing communications. And I like how um, Fleischman Hillard uh, rebranded as Fleischman Hillard, <laughs> no space in there. Um, and there's some skill sets that come along with that. And, and it really depends on its effectiveness, of, your effectiveness at having these skills in your organization really depends on unification, right? Unified strategy goals and resources between marketing and PR. One of the key skills is this notion of segmentation. Do you have the ability to segment customers? Do you have the ability to identify common characteristics amongst the audience or the community that you're trying to engage with? Right? Or are you simply defining them by their industry category? Another skill is this notion of being able to create bicycle stories. Stories that provide useful, entertaining information according to where the customer is in the buying cycle. The buying cycle is, I don't even know you exist, so now you've made me aware. Now I know you exist and I'm interested. Now I know about you, but I also know about your competition, so I'm considering you, and now I'm ready to buy, so I'm gonna purchase. And it keeps going to retention, right? How do you retain someone? How do you turn those brand evangelists into advocates? That's the customer life cycle. And so those skills at telling stories to guide the community along in that progress are very important. Content planning, which I think a lot of people, PR people already have some of those skills. Curation, creation, repurposing, and co-creation are some different uh, content um, development skills. Amplification, not just publicize, but socialize and optimize, and I mean that from an SEO perspective, and measurement. So think about what new skills are you developing? What new skills should you be developing in order to take advantage of the power of content, the power of integrated content in public relations? So how to put this together? It starts by knowing who your customers are. And the way I approach this, the way we implement this for our clients and for ourselves is through simple three, three, uh, three segments or three key questions. Number one, it, it's dealing with information, right? Because information is the, the vehicle and through which we actually communicate. And the first thing is discovery. How does our target audience discover information? Especially digitally, right? What are they searching for? What are they talking about on the social web? And the second question to answer is how are they consuming? What are their preferences for consumption? Do they like video? Do they like images? Do they like long form text content? Do they like really deep white papers and case studies? Or do they like micro content like Twitter or updates on the social web? Right? What devices are they using to consume that content? Look at your web analytics to see if you've got uh, mobile referring traffic to your site. If you have double digit, if you have 10% or more referring traffic to your site being consumed with mobile devices, you better be optimized for mobile. In fact, Google says just recently, if your site is misbehaving when it comes to being displayed in a mobile environment, it's going to hurt your mobile search engine rankings. So how do they discover, how do they consume, and then what stories and content and topics will motivate them to take action? What are you doing to make it easy for them to take action? 
a lot of optimization is just about making it easy for someone to do what you want them to do. Yeah? So by understanding how our target audience discovers, consumes, and acts on information, then we can optimize to attract, engage, and convert them. Right? We want to create the kind of information that pulls them in, that it's all inbound. They become aware of us and they pull themselves to us. And then the kind of content that will motivate them to engage and then convert them to what we want them to do. So from a process standpoint, it's first, who is it that you are actually writing content for? What do they care about? What are their pain points? What are their goals? And how do you translate that into topics and an editorial plan, into keywords, right? And what stories can you tell that will connect what it is that your brand is selling and the things that your customer actually wants to achieve? Because a lot of people aren't going onto a search engine, for example, saying, hey, somebody sells something to me that's really expensive. No, they've got a problem. It's like, I've got a broken pipe, I've got to fix it, or I've got a, I need a new phone, right? Or I've got this happen. Some life event has occurred and they're searching on stuff to try and find an answer. So how can you construct stories that make that connection between what it is that you're offering for value and whatever it is that the customer has in their mind in terms of a problem or a goal that they'd like to achieve. And then optimize it. Optimize for search, optimize for social. Make it easy to find, make it easy to share once they do find it. And do that across that sales cycle, right? Awareness, interest, consideration, purchase, retention and advocacy. So imagine in a, a grid like this where there's a particular group, even you might be able to do this with journalists. I don't know there are enough journalists left to create customer segments or personas, but um, that's kind of funny, but not. <laughs> um, and identify what would the sales cycle be for a journalist who's looking for subject matter experts. Someone who's looking for story sources, executives at a particular company that they're covering. What might they do? How would they discover that content? Would they just pick up the phone? Some of them will. But some of them are going to go to the web because they don't have time to deal with talking to people. They go to Google. They go to Google News. They go to social networks that they've curated a network on. And so think about the topics that would be relevant at different stages of that experience. What keywords might they search on? And then what types of content would be relevant according to where that journalist might be in their search for a subject matter expert or a story source? Now you can flip this over and go, well, that's a prospect, right? That's a customer. So if we identify a customer segment, and in this example, this is Admin Jane, we know that she, she represents a group of customers, right? We know that this person influences the CEO, so we're gonna create content according to her values. She cares about fast saving money and great service. So guess what? That's the content we're going to create so that we're the best answer for her no matter where she looks. Whether she's reading a trade publication, whether she's doing a search on Google, whether she's reading her email inbox, whether she's going to a, a, a LinkedIn forum, we want to be present as a brand, as the best answer, wherever it is that she's looking, relevant to fast saving money and service because we're empathizing. We know that's what she cares about. We're doing it across the sales cycle. We're constructing a content plan with different types of content that are meaningful and optimized according to where she is in that customer journey. I know this is a lot of stuff, but this is where it's going. And at least, if, if anything, I'm planting some seeds in your mind. If you just take 10% of this, you'll be ahead 
of where you might be right now. And for those of you who are already doing marketing, already doing digital marketing, already tied into content marketing, uh, content marketing institute style, then um, there are some efficiencies here when it comes to integration with PR. So what are some tools? Um, a tool, just about everyone uses obviously a spreadsheet, but there's an actual template here that I've made available for free. It's ungated, right? You just go there and download it. Um, and this is a content calendar template. What does it have? It's got places for uh, uh, dates, topics, titles, categories, keywords, where that piece of content would support a particular customer in the buying cycle, um, and, and, and as well as how would we promote it, what media we would create to support it, because you don't want to just publish text. Also, what other content objects would we link to in our content ecosystem? as well as what third-party sources would we link to as well. All within this little spreadsheet. Go ahead and get it, take it, have fun with it. But when you graduate from that, you can use a tool like this. And I just noticed Cision launched this tool a couple days ago. I've only been able to look at the demo. I'm looking forward to actually really playing with it. I haven't yet. But it, it's, it's nice and simple. It's create, amplify, and measure content, right? And, and, and it's a great segue from getting out of that spreadsheet world, right? Because it is cloud-based, so you can log into it and go play with it and, and do your thing with it. And of course, if you step up, then you're looking at tools like, uh, we use Kapost a lot, um, Inbound Writers, um, Scribe, and things like that. These are tools that have multiple levels of editorial review, uh, content calendars, um, and even like Compendium and Kapost have buyer personas built into the tool so you can identify your customer segments. Like, what does this customer care about? So no matter which writer is writing or creating content, they can make sure the thing they're making will resonate with that particular audience segment. And it helps you manage the whole ball of wax from a creation, promotion, uh, and measurement standpoint. So some takeaways. Content marketing, it, it enables a couple of key things. One is obviously, targeting specific customers based on what they care about, what their goals are, and what it is that they're trying to solve. Um, it also offers the opportunity for dynamic optimization because it's adaptable, and it's highly measurable, and it's highly connected to measurable ROI. And you know, that, that, that's, that's pretty powerful stuff. And if you want to become the media, get in the media, or if you want to get in the media, become the media, there we go. Um, and, and so don't overlook the long play, the long-term strategy of creating content, creating like a hub and spoke, right, where the hub is a repository, a deep repository of content, different media types that support the thing that you or your brand want to be known for, right? And definitely dig into those different content marketing skills and start testing tools. The only way to scale it is if you're using a tool. I mean, people process technology, right? You've got to train your people, start training them on basics, just like when you started working with social media stuff, and I'm sure maybe there's a lot of people in here who aren't totally confident in social media yet. It takes a little while, but you got to start. That's the thing. From a process standpoint, there's a couple of things I outlined here, um, but there's a lot of other resources, especially Content Marketing Institute for um, templates and, and other various processes related to specific industries or functions or outcomes. And of course, technology meaning tools, right? Tools will help you operationalize some of the tasks, the redundant tasks, the thing that really require third-party data sources to help you become more efficient when it comes to creating, 
right? Planning, creating, promoting, and measuring the effectiveness of your, of your content marketing. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.